Andrew, are you that hungry? Why are you holding bread in your hand? <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely not going to be eating this bread. When you find out what we're going to do to it, I don't think anyone's going to want to. This is, after all, our squeaky clean edition of Taiwan Insider. I'm Andrew Ryan. I'm Natalie So. Let's first get to the stories on our radar. This year's presidential inauguration will be simpler than usual due to the global pandemic. But fans of presidential memorabilia need not be disappointed. The Postal Service is releasing special stamps to mark the occasion. There are also commemorative coins and even limited edition alcohol for those who want to make a toast. Medical supply makers showcased their products at a virtual trade show on Monday, looking for new ways to meet demand in the age of COVID-19. And it wasn't all masks, gowns, and face shields. One of the more creative products was a robot that uses UV light to disinfect surfaces. After weeks of playing to empty stadiums, Taiwan's pro baseball teams will finally get fans in the stands. Up to 1,000 spectators will be allowed to attend games starting on Friday. But to keep COVID-19 at bay, they will all have to wear masks and spread themselves out through the stands. Schools are making preparations to keep middle school students safe from the coronavirus when they take their high school entrance exam this month. The test is only held once a year, so even students with a fever will be allowed to sit for it, but they'll be isolated in a separate room. The rest of them will be spread out and sit behind dividers, and they'll wear masks as they take this key exam. And under the radar, this week saw the beginning of summer on the Chinese Almanac. That means people are eating red fruits and vegetables to fill up with young energy and to refresh themselves. Let's start with our word of the week. Andrew, guess my word. All right. Applesauce. Makeup. Mom. Moms. Moms. <laughs> yes. Well, Mother's Day is near. It's on Sunday. And we have a new game today. I'm going to play with Andrew and Leslie. It's called Three Picks. And three pictures are going to tell us exactly what moms in Taiwan are thinking. That's right. A so happy that Mother's Day in advance. Thank you. All right. You ready for my word? Yes. All right. Obsession? Close. Obsessed? Yeah. Obsessive. Obsessive. Is that you? No. This <laughs> is a word to describe my hand washing and cleaning ever uh, since the pandemic broke that's out. That's true. And All of effects, us. I'm so obsessed that I went and learned how to make soap. So we're going to be sharing that interview with you a little bit later on in our show. Cool. Let's put these on the show. U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is calling on the director of the World Health Organization to allow Taiwan to participate in the World Health Assembly later on this month. And also, the hashtag Tweet for Taiwan is trending on Twitter. For more on that, we go straight to Hashtag Taiwan with Leslie Liao. This week on Hashtag Taiwan, I want to talk to you about Taiwan, the United States, China, the World Health Organization, and the United Nations. There's no catchy song or embarrassing footage of me this week. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Hashtag is going geopolitical. Taiwan and the U.S. have partnered to fight COVID-19, a move which China strongly protests because they see any direct cooperation with Taiwan as an endorsement of Taiwan independence. Now, for those of you who forget, 
China says Taiwan belongs to them. However, Taiwan has been getting a lot of positive attention recently for how well it's handling the COVID-19 pandemic. This video in particular shares Taiwan's successes. But the fact remains that China single-handedly keeps Taiwan out of international organizations like the United Nations or the World Health Organization. In the past, most countries didn't challenge China mostly because of diplomatic reasons that I am in no way, shape, or form qualified to speak about. But oh boy, did that change last week. Oh boy, did that change. On May 1st, an official US State Department Twitter account tweeted the following. They said the US firmly believes that hashtag Taiwan belongs at the table when the world discusses hashtag COVID-19 and other threats to global health. Before 2017, Beijing didn't object to Taiwan joining the World Health Assembly as an observer. What changed? Hashtag tweet for Taiwan. This is an explicit endorsement for Taiwan from a US government agency and oh boy it does not stop there. There were a total of six tweets all supporting Taiwan's participation in the WHO. The office said, is it too much to ask that Taiwan be permitted to share their expertise, their commitment with the rest of the world? Will the world succumb to the PRC's pressure and intimidation? It's time to be heard and time to hashtag tweet for Taiwan, hashtag Taiwan model. They finished their thread by asking people to join us to hashtag tweet for Taiwan's inclusion at the upcoming World Health Assembly so hashtag Taiwan can bring its incredible expertise to fight against hashtag COVID-19. The world needs Taiwan in this fight tell the WHO that it's time for Taiwan to be heard. They didn't simply endorse Taiwan, they started an entire campaign to get Taiwan into the WHO. But wait, there's more. The United States' UN Mission Twitter account made their own statement saying, The United Nations was founded to serve as a venue for all voices, a forum that welcomes a diversity of views and perspectives, and promotes human freedom. Barring hashtag Taiwan from setting foot on UN grounds is an affront not just to the proud Taiwanese people, but to UN principles. Hashtag tweet for Taiwan. For those of you that didn't know, if you hold a Taiwanese passport, it's likely that you'll be barred from entering any UN facilities. It doesn't matter if you're a journalist, a tourist, anyone really. Now, China has already expressed strong indignation and firm opposition to this campaign that the U.S. has started. And for those of you who are curious about how hashtag tweet for Taiwan is doing, here's something really interesting. Amal Sinha did an analysis of tweets that contained hashtag tweet for Taiwan between May 1st and May 5th. Out of 8,396 tweets containing the hashtag, he found that 32% came from India, 19% came from Taiwan, 15% came from the United States, and 12% came from Hong Kong. Now, I studied economics in school, so statistics like these really get me going. And that was the lesson we outpick of the week. Did I fail to mention that? Yeah, he forgot to mention it, but that's okay. That's hashtag Taiwan for the week. Follow us on social media and do leave a comment below. We'd love to hear from you. There's some new developments this week in the mysterious case of a Taiwanese university professor who died 40 years ago. The Transitional Justice Commission says the death of Professor Tewinton was probably not caused by an accident or by suicide. They say it's likely that he was murdered. We're going to tell you a little bit more about their reasoning in just a moment. But first, let's take a look back at the story of Professor Tewinton. Tseng Wen-Tseng graduated with a Ph.D. in mathematics from the University of Michigan in 1978. He became an assistant professor at Carnegie Mellon University. Although photos show him as a carefree academic, he raised funds for activists opposed to Taiwan's authoritarian government and was reluctant to return to Taiwan. Life was good for the young professor. Chen was married and had a young baby. His mother encouraged him to visit Taiwan, saying it would be safe. So in 1981, at the age of 31, he traveled with his family to Taiwan for the first time in six years. 
During that trip, the garrison command took him in for questioning twice, the second time for more than 12 hours. The next day, Chen's body was discovered at National Taiwan University. Authorities say he committed suicide or had died of accidental causes. Secret communication between Washington and Taipei revealed that the U.S. suspected Chen had been tortured. They said that his injuries were not consistent with suicide or accidental fall. In the United States, people protested and demanded the truth about his death. To this day, people still suspect Chen was murdered. Taiwan's new law that would declassify sensitive documents might shed light on Chen's case and others like it. In fact, declassified documents have shed light on Chen's death. They offer a clearer picture of what happened nearly 40 years ago. The truth behind the 1981 death of Chen Wen-chen has proven so elusive that it was once made into a Hollywood movie. At the time of his death, secret police said that Chen committed suicide. But now, the Transitional Justice Commission says he was probably murdered. Newly declassified files helped them come to four conclusions. Officials say that Chen's phone number in the United States was closely monitored by the secret police. The secret police said that they sent Chen home right after they questioned him. But the Transitional Justice Commission said it took them an hour to send him to his home just two kilometers away. Officials say Chen's body was moved after sustaining a fatal injury to his back, suggesting that he was probably murdered. The Transitional Justice Commission says a cover-up is entirely possible because the secret police were in charge of the initial investigation. Nearly 40 years after the death of Chen Wen-chen, officials say that the secret police were likely involved in his murder. The commission will continue working to uncover more details that can help shed light on the case. This past Tuesday, the world marked a special day making sure that you have clean hands. And that's the subject of today's Taiwan Explained. On May 5th, the world observed World Hand Hygiene Day. And to celebrate that, in today's Taiwan Explained, we're going to bring you an epic showdown of soap versus hand sanitizer, or as my nieces like to call it, hanitizer. That's cute. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you have 60 seconds. Are you ready, Andrew? Yes. All right, go. First of all, let's start off with some footage of the health officials washing their hands on Tuesday. Now it looks like they're uh, rubbing green paint on their hands and that's because they are. The goal is to show that they've done a good job. Now the health minister was quick to remind people that you should take the gloves off before washing your hands. <laughs> he also said uh, that any color soap works. It doesn't have to be green. And now for our showdown. In the red corner we have soap. In the blue corner we have hand sanitizer. So which one is better at fighting coronavirus? Well. Soap doesn't just wash the virus away, it destroys it. It breaks through the outer layer made of fat and protein, and the virus disintegrates into water. And, but you need to wash for 20 to 30 seconds for it to work. Now, the cool thing is, is you don't need one of those fancy antibacterial soaps, because any soap will do. So what about hand sanitizer? Well, it has to be at least 60% alcohol to work on viruses, but people don't often use enough, and they rub it off before it dries. So how do we use it effectively? Oh, you almost got it. Enough. I almost got it, right? Enough. Enough. <laughs> you know who the winner is, right? It's soap. Yes, soap. <laughs> soap works. But how about we do sometimes have to use hand sanitizer when we can't get to soap? Okay. So how do we use it effectively? So only, again, if you can't uh, use soap and water, you should, first of all, make sure that it's 60% alcohol. 
and then also you need to cover your hands completely and rub them the same way that you would if you were washing with soap uh -huh. and water and then leave it on your hands until your hands dry okay let them air dry let them air dry okay. that's right and you you can't use it to wash off dirt and grease and like heavy chemicals you still need to use soap and water for okay. that okay yeah. and we have an exciting experiment today that's that right? right so thank you to my assistant so what we have here is we have four slices of bread. Um, we have, uh, first of all, the control. So this one came straight from uh, the loaf of bread. And then you see we have one here that says uh, sanitizer. So we all touched that. The entire team touched that after we used hand sanitizer. We have another one called soap. We all touched that after we washed our hands thoroughly. And Nally, I need your help with this one. Right That's now. right, the dirty one. Touch Can it? you please touch it for me? You get my hands really dirty. <laughs> Very good. So we're going to all touch this. And uh, the results of this test, we're going to come back here next week and see what happened. All right? Other people are going to touch it too, right? Not That's just me. right. Okay. The entire team. It won't be just Natalie's okay. hands. <laughs> all right. That is Taiwan Explained for the week. All right, Natalie, for World Hand Hygiene Day, I have brought you a gift. Aww. This is wonderful. This is tea tree soap. It smells nice, right? Yes. It is handmade. And in fact... You made this? I did. Wow. <laughs> I went and found Impressive. somebody who makes soap, and I asked him to show me how it's made. Have a look. All righty. I'm so excited today. We are going to be learning how to make soap Yay. with our soap professional. Uh, only two years. Shao <laughs> Kang, but he is truly a professional. You actually have a certificate in this, right? Yeah, actually, I took like a Oh, okay, excellent. So today we're just going to make like a more like a hand wash soap. Okay, so perfect then, for the time of coronavirus, right? Exactly. Also, one like everybody can easily get this oil. Like uh, I only have a two kind of oil: coconut and olive. Coconut and olive oil. Okay. So we will put the recipe. Yeah, we'll have the, the recipe below. <laughs> you have to prepare something very simple, like you know, a scale. Yeah. Okay. Put the goggles on because I have a glasses, so I don't know. Is that a good look for me? Are you gonna check my temperature? Yes. Also, you really need to take a temperature of like the oil. Okay. Gloves. Perfect. Can I use swimming goggles as well? Yeah, yeah. As okay. long as you can like, protect your eyes. Okay, you protect your eyes. Yeah, you look quite uh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I look what? Like, like alien. Alien? <laughs> How do you say this? Uh, lay. Uh, Sodi. Wait a second. Who's the expert now? <laughs> I think you have to say the whole thing. So okay. This is like a sodium hydroxide. Okay. This is also like a, the part you have to be careful because you don't. Know, uh, when they're not with water, is not very dangerous. But uh, when they come into the water, they can be, they can very burn your skin. I use ice so they will keep the temperature low, low, and also you don't have very like how to say like uh, the some smell like strong smell. I see. Okay, so it prevents the strong smell and it keeps the temperature from going too high. And the reason is because we want the temperatures to be similar. Exactly. Yeah? Ah, see, I know what I'm talking Ooh, about. You took class. <laughs> I took a class. So now we're gonna do the mixing. Okay. So this part in the fast, right? Yeah, fast forward. Mmm, <laughs> <laughs> that looks delicious. But please don't drink this at oh, home <laughs> or anywhere else. Oh, you know, when you're making the soap, please keep your pets or your kids away. That's important. 
Actually, Xiaogang has two kitties, and they are very curious. They're already actually just uh, curling up near the, the base of the lights over there. And another one, when he was pouring the oil just a moment ago, was on the table watching him pour. Very curious. You know what they said about cats? What? Curiosity killed the cat. Don't kill your cats. But they also say cats have like the nine lives. And did you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> now I think that now that we can take the temperature. See, temperature is 29. Keep the oil and the lay water mm -hmm. after we mixed mm -hmm. to below 40 degrees. And make sure you slowly putting this in the oil. You can see. Look at that. So is it still dangerous? Yes, I think so. I still have to keep my glasses yeah, on. Okay. I think you keep your glasses on. That means I can't wink at you. <laughs> Nobody's gonna see it. <laughs> Actually, now it's always like a. I really like this. Uh, the, in the beginning of this kind of like a Chinese said, I really like So the fragrance of soap. Yeah, I really like this smell. Like time lapse. All right. So can you see the the trays? Yeah. See, this is ready to put the essential oil. Okay. Because this is for the hand like wash soap. Mm -hmm. So I choose tea tray because Ooh. tea tray also very natural and, and also it's good for the hand gorgeous. wash soap. Looks like white chocolate. I think now you can just uh, shake it up a little bit. bit. Twelve hours, they will be ready to cut. Wow! You know, it's funny. If this was a dessert, this would go straight in the oven. <laughs> okay. Now we're gonna cut the soap. So we made the soap like uh, two days ago. And then you just like uh, wait for four weeks and So that is how you make handmade soap. Uh, we'll have the full interview for you on YouTube and Facebook, and we'll have the recipe as well so you can make it yourself. Thank you so much for joining us for this squeaky clean edition of Taiwan Insider. Be sure to connect with us on social media. Yes, we would love to hear from you. Leave a comment below. For Taiwan Insider, I'm Natalie So. I'm Leslie Liao. And I'm Andrew Ryan. Happy, Happy Mother's, Mother's Day! Day. What do you know about Taiwan? I know who the president is. What about their local music and food? Well, hmm, what do you suggest? Tune in to Radio Taiwan International. Here at RTI, we offer the authentic Taiwan experience. You hear the sound of remote attractions, the local food, music, the lives of real Taiwanese as they live it. Visit english.rti.org.tw. Listen to the real Taiwan.
all it takes is a click to listen to RTI online. Get exercise for your finger and exercise for your mind at english.rti.org.tw. Taiwan Today with Natalie So. Hello and welcome to Taiwan Today. I am Natalie So. This week we're starting a new segment at the end of our show, a lightning round news quiz. I'll be wrapping up the week's news with a game, asking RTI hosts Andrew Ryan and Leslie Liao questions about the news this week to see how many they can guess in 60 seconds. And you can play along at home and catch up with the news at the same time. But before that, we get to some exciting news in Taiwan. Taiwan's professional baseball league will be playing with fans starting today, up to 1,000 fans. That's because Taiwan has not seen a domestic case of COVID-19 since April 12th. Taiwan's pro baseball league was also one of the first in the world to begin its season as planned last month. Now, recently, RTI host Leslie Liao talked with baseball blogger Vincent Liao, his brother, about some of the exciting things happening in Taiwan pro baseball. ESPN anchor Keith Olbermann, he shared a video of him being up in the middle of the night watching Taiwanese baseball. But in my mind, I couldn't help but think, like, he doesn't really know any of these players. He's not even following it. Is it just a, a sports mentality here? Like, how much familiarity do people really need to be incentivized to watch baseball? Well, let me stop you right there because uh, I think I say kids like you, or right? you're 17 years younger than me, um, probably don't understand how big Keith Oberman is uh, for sports fans, right? Uh, back in the day when there's no internet, well, barely internet, when there's no Twitter, no Facebook, when uh, when we all had to sit in front of TV, wait for ESPN Sports Center to come on, Keith Oberman was the guy. It was Keith Oberman and Dan Patrick, and then they would tell tell us what happened throughout the day in the world of sports. So for him to pick up baseball in Taiwan and through his personal Twitter, uh, this is big time for Taiwan. For people like us, we understand how big this is. And for for him to pay attention to Taiwan and actually you know, have an active interest into it, uh, telling everybody how wonderful this um, baseball game is being played in Taiwan, this is, this is big time, big time for Taiwan. He got into a Twitter conversation with uh, President Tsai of Taiwan over right. what's happening in baseball here. I mean, for some of that big to have a dialogue with a country's leader, at this point, it's not even baseball. It's almost diplomacy. Pretty much. Pretty much. I think uh, he mentioned, right, he went to, uh, was it Cornell? Yeah, Cornell. Cornell, right, with uh, President Tsai yeah. around the same time. I think there was some translation mistake by the Taiwanese media thinking that, oh, he was claiming he was a classmate of Thai. Oh, okay. And they were saying that, oh, hey, you're trying to... Trying to oh, say, ride the coattails? Right, you're trying to ride the coattails of the president. But I think uh, at the end of the day, you know, President Tsai, you know, she responded and she said, hey, why, you know, remember to join us and watch the next game. I think it's a, it, it, it's a great exposure for Taiwan and it also... Uh, a great um, exposure for Tsai, for President Tsai. She is down to earth enough, right, to care about baseball, to care about um, the celebrity broadcaster in the States is talk is saying about our sport. Uh, you mentioned English broadcasting, which is very interesting because it's a big change that came uh, to the league this year. And right. did this come about because of the need for more of an international audience with the pandemic? Or is this something that has always been in the works? 
I think there was never in the work. Mm-hmm. Let's just get it out there. There was, ne- there was never in the work by the league. Okay, as far as I know, right? Um, the league decided to push the season back, push the season back twice, and then they decided they're going to play a full season. Great. One of the broadcasters, Eleven Sports Network, they decided, hey, you know what? We're going to broadcast these games, and since we're the only league playing this game, we're going to put it on Twitter. We're going to have some people do it in English. So it's going to be broadcasted in Mandarin Chinese and in English at the same time, and let's see how it goes. So they took it upon themselves and say, you know what? We're going to promote this game. We're going to do. We're we're going to do our part to tell the rest of the world that hey, you know what? Life goes on in Taiwan, and you know if you're interested, if you want to watch a competitive, a professional, structured、um, baseball game, a baseball league, hey, tune in. For these people watching Taiwanese baseball for the first time, say overseas, what would you say the biggest difference they might recognize or might notice while watching a Taiwanese baseball game is? Never mind the fact that there's no audience here, but what is something that makes Taiwanese baseball distinctly Taiwanese? I think right now everybody would understand that hey, you're not watching a Major League Baseball game, right? I mean, of course, the very best players playing the Major League. Right and right now, of course, this is not it. So you're coming in expecting a goal,、uh, uh, an all-star performance from from these major leagues. You're not you're gonna, not going to find it. But what you're going to see is an honest effort, right? And you you're going to see the exact same amount of competitiveness, right? They're fighting for their victory. They're trying to perform. They're trying to beat their opponents. That's 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 just the same across the board. That's just baseball, right? But for Taiwan. Um, I think right now it's an empty stadium. There's no, there, there are no fans. They're watching the game. But for these creative teams, they have come up with、uh, mannequin robots.、Um, you know,、uh, even cut out, print out boards of fans. Actually, fans can submit their photos to the team with the fee. They'll print it out. They'll print your picture on it and print it out and just put it on the seat. And what they say is they'll leave it there until fans are allowed back into the stadium. So every game, you will be there with cheering on in photo form, cheering your player on. So these are the creativities, and also for some of the Americans fans, you would see that even it's an empty stadium, cheerleaders will be there.、Uh, they will be dancing, they'll be singing,、uh, they will cheer these players on. This is something that's very, you know, that's this is something you don't see in American baseball game. There's no cheerleaders, and you know what? Maybe they should, you know, bring about cheerleaders. So you're saying the MLB could learn a little something from the CPBL? Hey, why not, right?、Yeah. Why not? What What's the harm? In Happens、that? in basketball anyway. Hey,、what? NFL, right? You go into NBA, you go into a football game. Hey, cheerleaders are there, right? Yeah, it's part of the game. Why not baseball? So speaking about like setting an example for the rest of the world, there's a movement going on right now to rename Taiwan's national carrier, air carrier China Airlines, to Taiwan Airlines. Because they're worried that whenever there's China Airlines, you see the big airplane, people will think that's from China. What are the odds that the CPBL still with that Chinese name on it? What are the odds that we can change it to TPBL, Taiwanese Professional Baseball League? I think the the chance is zero. Okay. Okay. At least in the near future, it's zero, because a lot of things will have to happen before we change the Chinese Professional Baseball League to. Taiwan League or however you want to name it. You call me cynical, man. <laughs> yeah. Hey, a lot of things will have to happen, right? You you think the league is a private business and it's easy for them to change the names, but you have to understand that the league is formed by five teams, and these five teams are major major businesses in Taiwan. Fubang is a financial institution. 
and China Trust, the same way, Unit President, same way, Rakuten is a big time international company. And then uh, you have the Wei Chen Dingxin Group is, is a big company too. So they all have to sit down and decide, hey, do we want to do, do we want to change this name? And you and I can argue until our faces are red. In this island, in Taiwan, there are people who look at Chinese Taipei and cringe. There are people who look at Taiwan, thinking about Taiwan independence, and just run out of the door crying. Mm-hmm. So you and I can do a show for two hours, and we're still not going to reach an agreement. Yeah. For, for a private business like CPPO, or even for, for China Airlines, who is kind of government-owned, or kind of private, mm-hmm. however you want to name it, um, a lot of things would have to happen before they could seriously consider changing the name. And there are a lot more we can do in the meantime to tell everybody that, hey, we're Taiwan, we're not China, like Chinese Professional Baseball League, mm-hmm. right? We can say, hey, the name is Chinese Professional Baseball League, but hey, we're playing in Taiwan. Look it up, Taiwan is this little island, but it's Taiwan. So you're saying in the grand scheme of things, a name change like that wouldn't be as effective as maybe just getting the message out there. If you want to be really cynical, mm-hmm. you can say, hey, even if we call ourselves Taiwan, people would still confuse us with Thailand. Okay. And you know that happens, right? So you want to be confused with China or do you want to be confused with Thailand, which you know neither, neither is Taiwan. Okay. Right? So we might as well do a lot more to prom- promote the name of Taiwan, like to tell people about what Taiwanese are doing. And I think that's what, going back to the English broadcast, that's what these uh, English commentators are doing, right? They're telling everybody, telling everybody tuning into these games that, Hey, you know what? Welcome to Chinese Professional Baseball League. We're playing in Taiwan. This is this is our team. This is our league. This is our country. I think that's the best we can do. It makes more sense than arguing about changing these names. That was RTA host Leslie Liao speaking with Vincent Liao, baseball blogger in Taiwan and Leslie's brother. If you'd like to watch live professional baseball from Taiwan, just tune in to... 11 Sports on Twitter. It's going to be even more exciting to watch starting this weekend as up to 1,000 fans will be able to attend each game. In the past few weeks, they've been using cheerleaders, mannequins, stadium employees, and even cut out cardboard figures of fans to kind of create that live atmosphere. But starting today, there are going to be real fans in the stadium. So if you want to check that out, go on to 11 Sports on Twitter. But next, let's go to our lightning round news quiz. Taiwan Today with Natalie So. What do you know about Taiwan? I know who the president is. What about their local music and food? Well, hmm, what do you suggest? Tune in to Radio Taiwan International. Here at RTI, we offer the authentic Taiwan experience. You hear the sound of remote attractions, the local food, music, the lives of real Taiwanese as they live it. Visit english.rti.org.tw. Listen to the real Taiwan. Now for our 
lightning round news quiz. I'm going to see if Leslie and Andrew have been paying attention this week. <laughs> Hint, we haven't. <laughs> okay, so we have 60 seconds to guess as many questions as you can. Okay. And you can play along at home if you like. All right, so you guys ready? Mm. All right, mm. let's get going. According to a recent survey, what's the biggest source of stress for working moms at home? Uh, their kids. Uh, naughty kids. Nope. <laughs> Career? Nope. Nope. No, you guys are attention. Housework. Okay. What national event this month is going to be very low key? The uh, inauguration. Very good. What country did a charter flight bring Taiwanese back from? India. This India. Week? Good. What can Taiwanese in Hubei, China do now? Travel home? To uh-huh. somewhere? Oh, yeah, they, they come home by themselves. <laughs> On commercial flights. Yes. Commercial flights. Yes. What new languages can new immigrants learn through government sponsored classes now? Mandarin? This year? Aboriginal languages? Nope. Tony? English? Taiwanese and another one. Haka. 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 Very good. Okay. How many fans can go to baseball games starting a thousand. Friday? Right. And a video featuring what Taiwanese dish has been nominated for a Webby Award? Pro milk tea? I have no the idea. The real fan. No. A Taiwanese dish. Sweet potatoes? Pineapple cakes. No. <laughs> <laughs> New Romian. No. Oh, man. Oh, what how much is there? there? <laughs> it's like, Pork I mean... chops? Chicken legs? 50, I'll give you a hint. 50 cent a dish versus $29 dish. What's the dish? Uh, dumplings? Yeah. Oh, okay. So you guys should check it out. That's the name of the video. Mm-hmm. And that's the picture of the two hosts mm. eating dumplings, one of the dumplings. And that's another picture of the 50 cent dumplings. Don't they look good? Oh, yummy. Yes. That video like a, really I makes me hungry. In my mouth. So, uh, anyways, you guys did a pretty good job. Thank you. Except for you didn't catch the mom question. I'm disappointed. I was just distracted. <laughs> just all over the place, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. There were a lot of reasons why they stressed out. Busy week. I was Bad thinking boys. about all of those. <laughs> Good answers. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that is our news quiz for the week. Thanks for joining me for Taiwan Today. I am Natalie Soam, and I'll see you next week. The sound of the Puyuma tribe on Radio Taiwan International. John Van Trieste and the destination Zilong 1642 By 1636, the Spanish Empire's occupation of northern Taiwan had continued for a decade.
When the outpost on Taiwan had been founded 10 years earlier, it had been intended to protect the Philippines and its capital, Manila, the nerve center of the Spanish Empire in Asia. It was thought that Spain's Dutch enemies might launch raids from their nearby colony in southern Taiwan. A Spanish outpost in the north of Taiwan might be a useful counterweight. But 10 years on, it had become clear that Taiwan was a drag on Spanish finances. The outpost barely attracted trade and produced little to support itself. By 1636, the Spanish Governor General of the Philippines had already concluded that the Taiwan colony wasn't worth the expense. Soon, troops were withdrawn and supply missions cut. The colony was left wide open to Dutch attack. Professor Jose Eugenio Borao Mateo teaches at National Taiwan University and has made research into the Spanish colony his life's work. He joins us today to tell us about the Spanish colony's fall and the aftermath of the Dutch takeover. Don Sebastián Hurtado de Corcuera, the Governor General of the Philippines, was in fact only one of those who thought of abandoning Taiwan. But leaving the island wasn't that easy. There was Spain's reputation to protect, and no one wanted a humiliating loss of face. Around the 1637, they said, just forget it about this. But the problem is, they cannot say, let's go from here. No? Uh, it's a kind of loss of faith. No? They cannot just leave because they are not succeeding. But at the same time, they want to leave, no? at least in the mind of the Manila governor. No? In 1640, the final governor of Spanish Taiwan, Gonzalo Portillo, arrived at his post in Geelong, the main Spanish base in Taiwan. Portillo was an experienced military man who was given the unenviable position of defending an outpost with only a skeleton crew remaining. He quickly realized what kind of a place he'd been sent to. The new governor coming here to Taiwan, the last governor was called Portillo, was an experienced soldier, and he found out <laughs> the real situation. No? He experienced how the Spanish governor in Manila provided nothing help to him. Despite being miserably understaffed and undersupplied, Portillo toughed it out. But even an experienced soldier like himself could only do so much. The Dutch colony in the south had grown, and the watchful Dutch soon learned of their Spanish rivals' effective withdrawal from Taiwan. In 1641, they sent a force to Geelong in an effort to finish off the Spanish colony and take its main fort. Given the poor state of things, the Dutch might have succeeded but a stroke of luck on the Spanish side interrupted the Dutch plan. The Dutch flagship was destroyed. Spanish records are clear on this point and even note a request for divers to help find the ship. But Professor Borau says there's a gap in Dutch records from this period, which means our understanding of events is unfortunately one-sided. They make an approach to Chilon with their own fleet, but it was a stroke of luck. They destroyed the flagship, but it's a pity because uh, we don't have uh, too much records on that. No? The Spaniards say clearly this happened, and even they call from Manila to send a, a person able to do diving, no? to find the, the ship there, no? because the following day they found the mast of the ship, but in the that sources they have a hole, especially in this, this years, uh, in 1641, so they cannot mention what happened with this event, no? It was a bad start, but the Dutch returned the following year, 
and this time they were successful in forcing a Spanish surrender. The Spanish didn't give up without a fight, but Professor Barrao believes that the battle was largely for show and honor, with few fatalities. I did try again in the following year, and Portillo didn't offer resistance. I mean, the, the people coming from the last relief ship um, were sent to make a, a mock defense, and later there was a battle of one week, uh, and later finished everything, and that's it, and everybody went back home, and that's it. But, uh, not, I think not too many people died. It was a formal battle, but uh, more like a, a chess game. In 1642, Spanish Taiwan came to an end, the victim of budget cuts. The Spanish presence on Taiwan had lasted only 16 years. But budget cuts or no, the loss of a colony to the enemy was a humiliation, and those at the top were held accountable. Part of the reason we know so much about the colony's final days is because of a trial held after it was lost. Corquera, the Philippine governor general who'd ordered the withdrawal of troops, was to be judged, as all governors were when their term in office came to an end. With Corquera, what was usually a respectful and straightforward procedure ended badly. After a long term in office, there were many complaints against him, but the loss of Isla Hermosa, as the Spanish called Taiwan, was deemed to be one of his gravest sins. Historians rely on the documents, and the documents related to Corquera and the loss of Isla Hermosa are quite rich, precisely because there was a, I mean, a common procedure, protocol, when a new governor comes to a new place, which is to make a trial to the former governor, no? Of course, usually, uh, since you know that the following governor will be the judge of your own actions, so try to deal each other with uh, respect, etc., no? But in the case of Corcuera, was not like that, because Corcuera stayed quite a big number of years, I think eight years or even more, so there was many complaints. And one of the key issues was the loss of Isla Hermosa. And there was a lot of documents about these things. That's why we are able to know many things about this colony, no? because of that trial. No? In principle, Corcuera was uh, considered guilty of his activities, particularly this one of, of Isla Hermosa. Uh, he was sent to Spain, and only after many years he was able to clean his name. While Corcuera returned to Europe and cleared his name, Portillo, Spanish Taiwan's final governor, did not. He and the rest of the colony's Spanish defenders were captured by the Dutch. Portillo knew that he too would face a tribunal. He asked the Dutch not to send him back to Spanish-held lands. Instead, he followed the Dutch to Indonesia, and his fate after that is unknown. Regarding Portillo, it's very interesting because Portillo said, I cannot go back to Manila. Uh, I mean, the Spaniards, once they lose uh, Taiwan, they have to follow in the orders of the Dutch, no? And they said, okay, I will help you to go to Batavia, to Jakarta with us, and maybe once in Batavia you can go back to Manila or you can decide, no? But uh, Portillo said, okay, I cannot go back to these places and later to, to Manila because they will look for me, no? And I cannot defend myself because... The fact is I lose the place, no? And I cannot claim that I didn't receive supplies. So he just went to Makassar in the area of Indonesia, a friendly kingdom to the Spaniards, and they, we don't know what happened to him at the end. 
Professor Barao is one of the few people who's not only written about Spanish Taiwan, but dug into it as well. Until 1937, the main Spanish fort at Zilong, Fort San Salvador, continued to stand. But as World War II closed in on Taiwan, the site became a shipyard. One of the books Professor Barao has worked on is an archaeological survey of the site, with digs underneath the modern shipyard's parking lot. He believes they may have found the foundations of a Spanish chapel, but says the team can't be sure. Spain's presence in Taiwan was limited to 16 years, and to date the only European object found from this period is a broken belt buckle from a uniform. Professor Barao says he was once disappointed by this lack of finds, but the digs have changed his mind. In the search for a few small Spanish traces, his team ended up unearthing artifacts representing thousands of years of Taiwan's history. Quoting a Spanish archaeologist, Professor Barao says that just as astronomy shows us how small humans are in space, archaeology shows us how small they are in time. The Spanish experience in Taiwan is just one rich layer in a much richer, bigger story. I'm John Van Trieste, and I hope you'll join me again next week for another journey through time. This past Tuesday, the world marked a special day making sure that you have clean hands. And that's the subject of today's Taiwan Explained. On May 5th, the world observed World Hand Hygiene Day. And to celebrate that, in today's Taiwan Explained, we're going to bring you an epic showdown of soap versus hand sanitizer, or as my nieces like to call it, Hanitizer. That's cute. Okay, you have 60 seconds. Are you ready, Andrew? Yes. All right, go. First of all, let's start off with some footage of the health officials washing their hands on Tuesday. Now, it looks like they're uh, rubbing green paint on their hands, and that's because they are. The goal is to show that they've done a good job. Now, the health minister was quick to remind people that you should take the gloves off before washing your hands. <laughs> he also said uh, that any color soap works. It doesn't have to be green. And now for our showdown. In the red corner, we have soap. In the blue corner, we have hand sanitizer. So which one is better at fighting coronavirus? Well, soap doesn't just wash the virus away, it destroys it. It breaks through the outer layer made of fat and protein, and the virus disintegrates in water. But you need to wash for 20 to 30 seconds for it to work. Now, the cool thing is, is you don't need one of those fancy antibacterial soaps, because any soap will do. So what about hand sanitizer? Well, it has to be at least 60% alcohol to work on viruses, but people don't often use enough, and they rub it off before it dries. So how do we use it effectively? Oh, you almost got it. Enough. I almost got it, right? Enough. Enough. <laughs> you know who the winner is, right? It's soap. Yes, soap. <laughs> soap works. But how about we do sometimes have to use hand sanitizer when we can't get to soap? Okay. So how do we use it effectively? So only, again, if you can't uh, use soap and water, you should, first of all, make sure that it's 60% alcohol and then also you need to cover your hands completely and rub them the same way that you would if you were washing with soap uh -huh. and water and then leave it on your hands until your hands dry okay let them air dry let them air dry okay. that's right and you you can't use it to wash off dirt and grease and like heavy chemicals you still need to use soap and water for okay. that okay yeah. and we have an exciting experiment today that's that right? right so thank you to my assistant 
So what we have here <laughs> is we have four slices of bread. Um, we have, uh, first of all, the control. So this one came straight from uh, the loaf of bread. And then you see we have one here that says uh, sanitizer. So we all touched that. The entire team touched that <laughs> after we used hand sanitizer. We have another one called soap. We all touched that after we washed our hands thoroughly. And Nally, I need your help with this one. Right That's now? right, the dirty one. Touch Can it? you please touch it for me? <laughs> you get my hands really dirty. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So we're going to all touch this. And uh, the results of this test, we're going to come back here next week and see what happens. All right, that is Taiwan Explained for the week. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.